Well, good morning. About three years ago, I think I taught you how to say good morning in Japanese. How many remember? Don't tell me you forgot. <laughs> it probably is a little offensive. It's Ohio. <laughs> Ohio gozaimasu. <laughs> good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, on behalf of my wife and I, we would like to uh, thank the church again for your many uh, prayers on our behalf while we were in Japan, and thank you for your faithfulness to us in so many ways in prayer and and in giving and uh, helping us and our and now our son. Uh, and we're thankful on uh, on the behalf of Stephen. We uh, give you thanks for um, your faithfulness to, and uh, and our ministry. Uh, I know the pastor's away. I didn't ask him where he was going or didn't uh, intrude on his privacy, but. Uh, I kind of wish that maybe he had gone somewhere where he had preached and uh, uh, been an encouragement to other churches as well. But sometimes, like uh, like myself, we just came back from Japan, and it's kind of nice to sit back and, and listen to preaching every once in a while. He asked me to preach this morning, and reluctantly I, I said yes, but sometimes it's good just to sit back and hear other people preach. But uh, I know wherever the preacher is today, whether he's preaching or whether he's listening to a sermon, I think he'll be blessed. Uh, I'm going to uh, preach this morning. Uh, I already uh, on this title, the best and worst of times. And if uh, I were to ask how many know of uh, Charles Dickens, many of you would probably know that name. How many know the name Charles Dickens? I'm talking about young people. Young people know that probably because of the Christmas Carol, the movie The Christmas Carol, uh, which was, by the way, published back in 1843. And that's how. Uh, we know of his name and of old miser um, Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge and uh, how it deals with the spirits of Christmas, past, present, and future. But uh, today, for my uh, message title, uh, I take from another novel they had written, uh, not as well known, uh, A Tale of Two Cities. Maybe you've heard of it, uh, but uh, it comes from that. It's the most known part, the most known part of the of the novel is right at the beginning of it, uh, uh, and uh, uh, the statement basically has given uh, the literary world one that has not been forgotten uh, from the days since 1859 when it was published, uh, and uh, here's the title, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, it was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. These famous words begin the story which is set... Um, which is set before and during the French Revolution about characters who lived in London and Paris. Even today, uh, these words remain as some of the best-known lines of literature, and they skillfully reflect the novel's central tension of an era between France and uh, England. The age in which Dickens uh, lived was both a difficult time and also an era of glory. He lived in the glorious era of Queen Victoria, while the horrific French Revolution and its reign of terror 
continued before, before uh, Napoleon uh, rose to leadership. But not only were the royal coffers uh, depleted, but two ge- decades of poor harvest, drought, cattle disease, and skyrocketing bread prices had kindled unrest among the peasants and, and the urban poor. Many expressed their desperation and resentment toward King Louis and his predecessor that imposed heavy taxes without any relief by rioting and looting and striking. So today, as we reflect back to those uh, uh, long ago, we kind of find ourselves uh, in the best of times and in the worst of times. We're kind of in an age of wisdom, and yet in an age of foolishness. Uh, Wouldn't you describe what is going on in our nation today, something very similar? Uh, I'm going to have you open your Bibles, if you would, into the book of 1 Peter and chapter 5. By the way, thank you for those that are uh, listening by live stream this morning. I hope that both... Uh, you, as well as those that are here this morning, are blessed by the preaching this morning. But uh, our days are definitely an epic of uh, an epic of um, faith, but it's also uh, an age of incredulity, where basically a French word which means disbelief. Uh, uh, wouldn't you say that today uh, we are in a season of light, but at the same time we're in a season of darkness? I think if you've watched television at all this week, you've, you're, you've uh, verified, you can verify the fact that we are living in an age of darkness. Uh, it is the spring of hope, but it is also the d- winter of despair. We had everything before us, and yet we had nothing before us. We were all going to direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. Well, these were the thoughts of a man long ago, and the only thing I will add is this. We are definitely not all going to heaven. (laughs) And I could also add, neither are we all going to hell. But as of January this year, everything was going pretty well in our country. The stock market was up. Unemployment was down, wages were rising, home ownership uh, had been up among the minorities, and people who wanted a job could find one. Then everything turned topsy-turvy. That's an old word for you. Upside down. Everything turned upside down. My main point that I would like to make today is this. Whether we look behind to the past or whether we look forward into the future for the Christians, we can always have the presence and help of a loving God. And, and, uh, and as far as the future before us, we can always have hope. And I think all of the songs that we sang today that you picked out, Brother Aaron, all these songs that we heard today, by the way, thank you ladies for your special music. That was beautiful. All the music today, uh, boy, uh, solidifies the fact that uh, we do, as Christians, we do have hope uh, in this age of darkness, in this age of uh, disbelief. And now, uh, if you've got your Bibles open to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, I would like to read here from verse 6 on. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 
Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, you've probably heard these words over and over and over again. But when you see the rioting going on this week, when you see this, everything that's going on this week, I mean, uh, uh, indiscriminate carnage, I would call it, indiscriminate uh, looting, people will stand back and say, does anybody care what's going on in our country? Does anybody care? And we can say, yes, Jesus cares. It's a small, it's a few words here, casting all your care upon him. But you know what? It's because he careth for you. And then verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Boy, he's been busy this week, hasn't he? Huh? He's been very busy this week. And then verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, you're not alone in your sufferings. Uh, we're all in the same boat. Many people have come before us, many Christians before us who've, who've may have uh, traveled our road. And, uh, but you know, uh, as Christians, our boat won't sink if Christ is in it. And uh, so anyway, we are not alone. Verse 10, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning that you've given us. Thank you for speaking to us today through your word. Uh, help me to uh, diminish, and may the Holy Spirit, may the Lord Jesus Christ be increased. Help me decrease in the Lord and His glory increase through uh, the message today through in our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name and for your sake, amen. So we're living in an age, it looks like, where very few people care about what's going on around us. Uh, uh, you know, let alone what's happening in our country, maybe you think, well, no one cares about me. This week I've seen windows broken, stores ransacked, I've seen buildings burned down, looting, beatings, pillaging, and even killing of people who have nothing to do with the reason the protest even began. But we are assured, in spite of all that's going on, we are assured by the Bible that Jesus cares for us. And uh, in the earlier months of 2020, we have seen the best and worst of times. It has been a time where the stock market in America rose higher than it has ever risen before. Then we have seen it plummet. We had the lowest unemployment in who knows how long. Then it went to 13%. Now it's back down about 10, but, but there seemed to be optimism everywhere. Uh, uh, Japan, we were looking forward to having the Olympics. Uh, Glenn and I would have still been there if they were going to have the Olympics. But, uh, but anyway, we're, uh, Japan was getting uh, excited about the Olympics, getting prepared, planning. Uh, modernization efforts were going on uh, everywhere. I mean, uh, new roads were being built and uh, new hotels and new beautiful buildings. There was excitement in the air. Driving through Tokyo at night was a spectacular view of the lights. Buildings were lit up 
with uh, different colored lights everywhere. Even living there most of my life, I was impressed driving through the city of Tokyo at night. Uh, uh, the international airport is on one side of Tokyo. We lived on the opposite side, so often we have to, uh, and I was also pastoring uh, in a church uh, just outside of Tokyo, and I, I, my wife and I were, pa- were driving through Tokyo quite often, and quite often at nighttime. But it was excitement of the air, and then you know what happened. Uh, out of the blue, the coronavirus hit, and uh, uh, it became a pandemic. It hit, uh, I think I have the, uh, it hit 214 countries, and traveled to almost every continent upon the in the United uh, in in the world. Uh, 1.8 million Americans have been infected by it, uh, with over 100,000 deaths. We don't know how accurate that 100,000 deaths are attributed actually to the coronavirus, but uh, you all know the story of how it has hit everywhere. Uh, it was the best of times, and then it became the worst of times. It was basically a uh, uh, I call it a dress rehearsal for the Antichrist. Uh, he, he knew how to shut us up, and, and uh, he knew how fast he could do it. Uh, so now he has a good idea at the end of the world uh, uh, what to do with the next pandemic or next, uh, uh, next time that uh, something like that happens again. But, you know, um, just when things be, began to get so good, things got really, really bad. Uh, the, the virus, the riots, it seemed like uh, a perfect storm for the worst of times. <laughs> uh, actually, I mean, just within this last week, it's like, man, everybody, anybody ever think, man, this is a perfect storm for, <laughs> for bad? Uh, well, that's what it's become. And uh, when we were looking forward to the Summer Olympics, all of a sudden around the world, it just, everything just turned, uh, turned around. My question to you this morning is this, has God got your attention. Um, uh, You know, God may be getting the world's attention. As far as many Christians, if you were not on the front line of defense at a hospital or essential job, we have been able to, all we've been able to do basically was stop, think, understand the times, understand where we are, ourselves are, uh, to pray and to wait on God the answers and basically wait for the proper antibiotics or medicine or vaccine, whatever would help us to deal with the virus. But I wonder, and here's another question, I wonder if God is trying to get the attention of the world. Maybe he's using the virus to do so. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 11, 16, you have it uh, before you, but in Matthew 11, 16, Jesus said, whereunto shall I liken this generation. What is this generation like? He thought about his generation too. Um, he, then he, he likened it to children sitting in the market. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It's like unto the children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. And in fact, if you go back to 1115, Jesus said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What he, uh, this was a phrase he often used to get uh, uh, the people's attention when he was about to make a, a very important point. And there are so many Americans around the world who have not taken the time to stop, to think, uh, to try and understand 
uh, what times you are in, or, or to even to pray, uh, or to wait on God, or even reflect on what is going on. But Jesus compared his generation to many places in the Old Testament that were like hardened, cruel, and wicked cities such as Tyre and, and uh, Sidon, Capernaum, and Sodom. Our Lord used many parables to teach. Uh, do you wonder why he used so many parables? Well, I kind of wonder if it was to get the people to, to stop, to listen, to think carefully about what he was saying, to pray, and then to, and then to wait on God and, go, and then go out and do what was right by the Bible and by his words. He said in eleven sixteen, where shall I liken this generation? How shall I describe it in a way you can understand? Then he went on to describe what he must have been watching at that time. Maybe kids who were not playing well together. Uh, some were like uh, unhappy, uh, discontent, selfish, cantankerous little children uh, that no one could please. They were so ungrateful. They were, they were kids sitting down for a long time. Uh, they wouldn't get up and play. And he was referring to a Jewish leadership that John the Baptist nor Jesus himself could get through to. John, he mourned, urging repentance. Our Lord rejoiced in the gospel liberty that set men free. It was as if the rip fiddler on the roof was playing his fiddle and the piper his music. But no matter what they would play, these cantankerous childlike people would not take part in the joy of dance or play any games. Nothing made them happy. The Jews in leadership ridiculed both John and the Lord Jesus Christ, as you know. And then it goes on to say, uh, it says in verse 18 of chapter 11, it says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath the devil. Verse 19, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous, gluttonous and a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Then began, began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Then he talked of the many cities where he had preached the gospel, but was rejected. He talked with a, a language that would help the common man to know plainly what he was talking about. And more often than not, it was parables. In his day, like ours, it was a busy time for everyone. And it was di difficult to get their attention. So he used parables to get them to stop and think. Number two, he knew that if he talked straight to them, many would reject his message, message right away. So before they could harden their hearts, he told them a story. A story that dealt with many of their sins and also of what he actually was. Uh, the savior of all mankind. So people had to listen intently before they could reject his truth about who he was, about who they were. And why he came to this earth. But another reason Christ used parables was to stimulate their minds. To get them thinking about life and death. And about everything in between. His miracles were better than a medicine to the body. While his parables were better than a vaccine. As they stimulated the dead parts of men's mind and souls. Jesus both then and now I believe has the desire to heal men's bodies, souls, and minds. And that is done through faith and trust in Him. I believe the last reason Christ used parables uh, was to test the faith and character of those uh, who listened. He would uh, know right away if His teaching worked by their reaction. They either followed Him in awe by faith or rejected it and left with 
hardened hearts and minds. I just wanted to talk to you this morning, at this time, 20, March 20, or, uh, May, June 2020, and I think God uh, wants us to stop and to think real hard, to understand the times and pray and go and do right by the Bible. He wants us to look forward with thoughts that help us sift through the stories of our day uh, that are before us. One theologian long ago uh, told his students to take their Bibles and their newspaper. And then he told them to take their, uh, 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 he told them to uh, interpret their newspapers from their Bible. I think that's pretty good. I think, uh, uh, you know, just last week, America victoriously sent up a manned rocket into space after about a decade of having to use Russia to do it. It should have been a great event with the two astronauts that, went, that uh, were sent off to the International Space, space Station, but on the very same day, uh, there were protests and riots that were going on all around our country. You know, God told his people, Israel, when they were about to enter the promised land. In Numbers 35, 33, in fact, I just read the, these words this week. Uh, he said, so, shall ye not, so ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are. For blood it defileth the land. In other words, God said, you shed blood. You know what you're doing? You're polluting the land. And, and God would have none of it. And today, uh, this week, I have seen that our country has become polluted with the bloodshed that you see going on. It's, it's crazy. And uh, God gives us a warning. This is, this is just doing nothing but uh, defiling our, uh, our country and polluting our country. Truly, it seems we are in the best of times, but also the worst of times. We are in an age of wisdom and an age of foolishness. Our days are definitely an epic of belief and an epic of inc uh, incredulity. It is a season of light, the season of darkness, the spring of hope. And the winter of despair. We have everything before us and we have nothing before us. And if you just read your newspapers, you would say we are all going direct to heaven. <laughs> but uh, uh, we have a Bible. Uh, if we didn't have the Bible to shed light on that subject of heaven and hell. Uh, but, you know, just last week, the preacher preached a, a sermon from where? John chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, you know it. Uh, Let not your heart be troubled. The Bible tells us, John 14 tells us, let not your heart be troubled. In verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So we open up our Bibles and we know. And by the way, the preacher asked us three important, question, uh, three important questions last week from John chapter 14. Uh, is there a heaven? Yes, there is. How can I get there? The answer is in the Bible. And then three, can I be sure... I can go there after I die, and the answer is yes. John chapter 14 tells us, uh, gives us all of these questions. And in these significant days of a worldwide pandemic and chaos, uh, think, think uh, on what is really important. And God is speaking to us about it all. And why? It's because he cares for us. What is our generation like? The first days of the coronavirus, it was like a, a, a panic. It was, a, uh, pan, it was pandemonium everywhere. Grocery stores in Japan 
quickly like they did in America, emptied of toilet paper, bread, water. Uh, We couldn't find a a face mask uh, to save our lives, literally. Uh, Then our world completely powered down, didn't it? Businesses had to shut just as it... uh, uh, And uh, in Japan, well, as well as most countries around the world, and uh, the U.S. Embassy uh, sent out uh, uh, a message that anyone straddling the fence as to whether to go home or, or, or not should get off the fence and go home or plan on staying in Japan indefinitely. So my wife and I felt led to come back, uh, come back home. But, uh, so we came back home, and I ended up having to go to South Carolina to get a haircut. <laughs> but uh, that's life. <laughs> but, uh, but this past March... 311 in Japan. It was nine years ago that the 9.0 Great East Japan earthquake hit Japan. My wife and I were in Tokyo at the time, but this was the ninth anniversary in March. On that day, the, uh, right around 2.40 uh, p.m., Glenda and I and my son Steve and his family and uh, one other Christian man, uh, around 2.40 in the afternoon, we bowed in our heads and we prayed for those people who lost everything in the tsunami. And just about the time we finished praying, it was about 2.45 or so, uh, there was a, sign, a siren that went off uh, uh, sounding in the whole city, probably in every region throughout Japan on 3.11 every year, that siren sounds at, uh, at precisely that time. But um, uh, to uh, remind us to pray for those people of the northeast Japan. And in one area of, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, let me go, I'm not used to this, but in one area here, uh, in Japan, on that day, uh, on the morning of 311, in Miyagi Prefecture, a rainbow appeared in the sky. You can't really see it there, but it's there. But a rainbow appeared in the sky when over 700 people gathered to remember the day. My thoughts were that maybe God wanted uh, the people to look up to the sky and see who put that up there and, and why. And of course, the answer is in Genesis chapter 9, verse 13, where God says, I do set my bow uh, in the cloud. And then another uh, interesting fact on that day was that uh, in another completely different area in northern Japan, on the, on the morning of that day in Fukushima Pre- Prefecture, another rainbow appeared in the sky on that same day uh, where it could be seen from the rice fields in the ocean. And I think that, wa- that God wanted to get their attention uh, so they could know a true and living God a God who did care for them, not a dead God of stone or bronze. But our Lord's parables were used, I believe, in a way like those sirens and and that rainbow, maybe even this virus, as an attempt to get people's attention. I think God wants your attention today, by the way, if you're listening by live streaming, uh, you that are here, I believe God wants our attention today. Uh, he, I think God wanted the, the attention of the people in northeast, uh, uh, northeast Japan by that rainbow. Maybe he's trying to talk to them through that rainbow so that they would uh, not put their faith in idols. Maybe he's trying to reveal himself to them. I don't know, but I think it was very interesting that on that very morning, a rainbow appeared in the sky. You know, I wonder if God's trying to get our attention today uh, about what's really important in life. There's the other picture, by the way. But here's the, the things I want us to think about, uh, and it's just uh, a very brief outline this morning. But number one, God wants us 
to know what is truly important. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. You know, folks, no matter what generation you're living in, this will always be the most important command. To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And you know what? The second one is pretty close to it. Uh, verse 39 says, And the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And uh, if we love God with all our heart, we take care of the spiritual aspects in our lives. We need to love God. We need to love our neighbor. This is what's truly important uh, on our sign out there at Pastoria Baptist Church. Out there, I think it says, know God, love God, and follow God. That's pretty simple. <laughs> know God, love God, and follow God. Amen. Uh, that will never change, folks. These two commandments will never change. We need to love our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to love our neighbor. We need to have a love that the world can see that is real. Nothing that's fake. Number two, we need true unity. People talk about, oh, Obama didn't bring uh, 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 unity. Uh, Trump didn't bring unity. You know who brings unity? <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's the only one that can unite our souls. He's the only one that uh, can make two people one. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not in an organization. It's not uh, uh, any president. Only Jesus can bring all men together to love one another. Only Christ can do that. Well, I, I, uh, not my mother. My dear mother's here, by the way. I'll, uh, please meet her when you get a chance. She's over here. She ditched her church today in Faith Baptist in, in Davidson. Don't tell Pastor Cook that. <laughs> but anyway, she came to join us today. But um, now what was I going to say? <laughs> but um, uh, on my wife's side, both of her, uh, uh, her, her mother passed away when she was only 12, and her father passed away. But her mother-in-law, boy, she did not want us to go to Japan. And you know what? There's a lot of older generation that did not want us to go to Japan. I had an uncle. And he went to a good Baptist church. And he didn't want to support me going to Japan. <laughs> I'm glad the church didn't listen to him. <laughs> they supported us anyway. But it's because of what he went through in the war. I can understand that. But folks... Something unites us that we want to go out and tell other people. It doesn't matter if they're Japanese, if they're black, or if they're white. How to know Christ. And give that message. Man, I grew up in an all-white town. I mean, it was completely white. Pekin, Illinois. Uh, and uh, right, across this, right across the river from Peoria, Illinois. Uh, I never saw a black in my, in my high school. But you know, I went to Tennessee Temple... And that first year, I got a true dose of salvation. I got an assurance of my salvation. I thought I was saved, but I, I, I really wasn't. Uh, or I could have been, it just didn't understand the assurance of salvation. But when I was there at Temple, I got an assurance of my salvation. You know what I started doing? I started going throughout Chattanooga, playing basketball with the guys on the street, and then giving them the gospel. Most of them were black. Here's a white boy from Pekin 
telling these black boys how to go to heaven. But you know what? That's what God, never knowing that God would call me to be a missionary, but that's how, that's how I got going. And, and you know, only Jesus Christ can give us a unity of heart. Number three, a true peace of mind. Only Christ can give peace, even when it's turmoil all around us. Believe, folks, when he says, I care. Believe it when he says, I care. And if you believe it, Christ can give us a true peace of mind. And finally, true times. It's important to, for us to understand the true, true times, is it not? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 42, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. In verse 43, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. He would have watched, Jesus said. Now, in Michigan language, that means he would have had that uh, 9mm or the AK-47 loaded and waiting. <laughs> in Joe Biden language, he would have had a shotgun, then he would have pointed in the air or at somebody's legs. <laughs> but uh, uh, watch. Uh, he wasn't, I mean, if you were watching, you weren't going to let nobody break into your house, right? Uh, and, and you're ready to protect it. Then verses 44 through 49 says this, and I'll go on here. 44 through 49, quickly. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and a wise servant, uh, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Verse 46, blessed is that servant, who his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord doth delay his, uh, delayeth his coming, and shall begin to what? Smite his fellow servants. And to eat and drink with the drunken. These people aren't waiting for Christ to come back. This is what we saw this week. Uh, uh, people are out there doing damage. People are out there destroying our country. They're not expecting Christ to come, but as Christians, we should be. We are living in the last days, folks, and the end times, I believe, are very near. Uh, and you know, we all seem to be busy going here and there and never stopping, never listening, never thinking, never praying, never doing what God wants us to do according to the Bible. Uh, we're too busy doing what we think is important. By the way, do you know what Sunday is? Sunday should be to the normal Christian a day when they go to church to stop in their busy life, to listen to a sermon in church uh, and, uh, and uh, live streaming, but to think carefully and to pray and to wait on God and then to leave church and go out and do what is right. We need Sunday just as the Jews needed the Sabbath. And we have to pause in our lives to get a spiritual shot in the arm. This is a time when we should look at the days behind us with a careful eye, with thanksgiving for all that God has done for us. Perhaps with a heaviness of heart, we should look to God for the things that brought us sorrow, things that maybe happened, that we do not know why. Maybe we long to see things turn out differently than they did, but maybe now, with God as our wisdom, we can carry hope with us into the days that are to come. I like recently what Dr. John Hamblin said in the Sword of the Lord newspaper concerning this virus. Um, 
He said this, what God is saying to the wayward nation is get right. To the prodigal, come home. To the unbeliever, trust Christ. To the church, get on fire. And to the close believer, draw closer yet. I like that. Maybe this should be a time for the unbeliever to ask perhaps this question, where did I come from? Or maybe even, where am I going? And then, why am I here? And if you're a Christian, you know the answer to all of this because only the Bible has the answer to all these questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where are we going? Christianity is the only religion that gives us the answer to these three questions and it's found in the Bible. But even as Christians, we have this tendency to worry about the times in which we live. And these definitely are very difficult and tumultuous times uh, for many people. But my question is, is God blind to it all? Does not God know what is going on? Of course he does. Where did we come from? God made us. He made us very intricately. intricately. Man, my my tongue's not moving right here this morning. (laughs) Intricately, uh, by the way, with DNA and RNA and all uh, all of that included. Just think about our hair. Uh, There are 15 layers that make up the root of our hair. And just as each layer feels pain and dispenses oil, so each layer has a specific duty to feel. And uh, I find it an amazing thing which Jesus said in, um, these are the three, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold, sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Here Jesus was saying, there is nothing insignificant or too small for God to be bothered with. Nothing is too insignificant. God knows the very number of our uh, uh, hairs on our head. And for some, that's not a terrific number, but uh, still, God knows it. (laughs) Uh, Whether a lot or whether a little. But, uh, 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 and even if that is a concern for some, God knows it. The blood vessels that go around the inside of our body, if you were to tie them end to end, would go uh, 90,000 kilometers or two times around the earth with some left over. What is even more incredible is our brain. In a large brain, like mine, uh, are 14 billion cells, uh, 10 billion in a smaller cell. Uh, I, I won't point to anybody, but, uh, but uh, each cell has 10,000 protuberances called synapses which intertwine to transmit information between the cells, between those 14 billion cells, which they govern movement between the mind and body. A Japanese Christian doctor, who who I quoted the above information, said when you think of all of this, we could say that our bodies are like a little universe. Now I come back and I ask, does God not know what is going on in the world today? And I would say, yes, he does. He's in control of it. Uh, and, um, but, uh, you know, folks, I'm, I'm going to wind down here, but here's what I want to say in closing. I want to say this, that we are in the best of times, not when the economy is booming, doing good, or when we are healthy without the virus, but we are in the best of times when we know that God is with us no matter what happens or no matter what is going on, we know God is with us. And if God is with us, there is no need for panic. And I think we can see God trying to draw the attention of the world to himself today. And we are in the worst of times 
not because of the virus or the riots, but what mankind, but when mankind has closed their minds towards faith and belief in God. That is what it all boils down to. Isaiah the prophet said in uh, 64, 1, I'm sorry, you cannot really read that. I should have picked a easier uh, uh, lettering there. Isaiah 64, 1 says, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, Isaiah says. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. Uh, the prophet articulates for relief and justice within, within uh, his world. And, and we have that in the old, that God would come down and give us justice and relief. So much death around us and blood being shed. People are weary of it and angry and sorrowful and frustrated. And then in 65 uh, verse, uh, in, in verse 6, it says, uh, in a fervent prayer for change for, uh, for his uh, kinsmen uh, in the direction that Jerusalem was going. And uh, he continued, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all are, are, are unrighteousness or as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. He says we're all guilty. We all need the forgiveness of sins. We're all uh, uh, in, in, uh, in need of salvation and of, of Christ. And, and, um, and so uh, our land today is more and more polluted. One Preacher has said that we can read many self-improvement books and self-discovery uh, and self-help books that are supposedly there to help us become better people. But then he asked, with all of these books out there, why aren't we doing better? Because, folks, we don't try to make ourselves better through self-improvement. We have to do it through the Bible. That's how we, that's how we improve ourselves is by reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and... Uh, and, you know, that's how it's done. We can't do it on our own. We need God. We need forgiveness of sin. Isaiah, uh, Psalms 55, hopefully I can read that. Psalms 55, 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Do you have a burden today? Are you worried about something today? In prayer, have you trust, entrusted God with it? He will give you peace. If you ask for it, he will answer your prayer if you ask him to. He will give forgiveness of sins where that is needed. But you must first accept him as Savior by opening your heart and ask him to forgive uh, your sin and to make you his child. Faith will save. You know, I'm going to close. But I would like to say this. We are in the best of times. But we are also in the worst of times. But I believe it is all for one purpose. And that is for us to find God through it all. And to see that it matters not if they are good or if they are bad times. I'm going to close with, the, with this verse again. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says here, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let's have a word of prayer. We are in the days of a serious plague. It's gone around the world in no time. In a matter of a month or two. Around the world. You know there are Bible prophecies of plagues that will come in the last days. Plagues that will be worse than anything that we have experienced now. 
And the Bible talks of plagues in Revelation chapter 9, verse 20. Revelation 11, 6, 15, 1, 15, 6, and 8. 16, chapter, chapter 16, verse 9, 18, 4, uh, and 8. Chapter 21, verse 9, the Bible talks about plagues coming to the earth. And, and you know what? Maybe God's giving us a dress rehearsal. Maybe God's getting us ready for what's to come. Uh, and we need, we need, a time is coming when God will judge the world with plagues unimaginable. And I think we're getting closer and closer to these times because men are turning their backs on God. But maybe, just maybe, he's giving us a warning to prepare us for what is ahead. And the smart thing to do is to understand the power of God in these events. But to also realize that God loves us and wants to reach out with us uh, to us with salvation. Not just from plagues, but from our own sin. Oh, how we need Him today in the worst of, best of times and in the worst of times.